there was going to be a town hall that was not in New York and there's a private jet that was going to get flown down there and my name was on the list to be on it. And I'm like, I'm going to find out on that plane ride. <laughs> in hindsight, he was pretty straightforward with me. Like, man, you're not going to get this. And I was like, I don't really hear you right now. I'm getting this job. I'm the man for it. So especially for those that are early in their career that might be bummed out about not getting the internship, not getting that entry-level job, that's not going to define you. What happens next is what defines you. And there's always going to be a next. We would have never met if I got that job. At least I don't think we would have ever. My name is Tim, and you probably know me from TikTok, and that's why you're here. I'm actually long-winded by nature, and now I'm trying this for a few different reasons. Most importantly, because I would like to empower the next generation of corporate American employees, or just the next generation, period. I love the fact that I get questions from all over the map relative to career and relationships and fitness and fashion-ish and sneakers and protein bars and beer, all the things that I love people want to ask me questions about, and it's amazing. And I also feel incredibly fortunate that at 45 years old, I am long-winded by nature and therefore I love talking about this shit and I really want to be able to pay things forward. If you like the details and the nuances of what I bring to life in just 60 seconds of what my day looks like, then strap in because this is going to be all that and a bag of chips. Thank you for being here. So today we are going to talk about why the job that you probably want more than any other job you've ever seeked out why not getting it might be the best thing to ever happen to you. Because I think that that's why I'm sitting here right now. Something that I wanted so, so bad and that I thought, like, this is a lock. This is for sure a lock. I didn't get. Everybody sees how hard I work and how hard I work on a consistent basis because I do daily vlogs. And therefore, if I'm being honest about things, I'm showing you the fact that I work at 4 a.m. and then I work during the work hours, normal work hours. And then there's a third shift that usually starts around 8 o'clock and goes until I'm so tired, I'm ready to fall asleep in the stool that I'm in. Or actually, I should say that differently. Until my wife says, you better get your ass upstairs right now, or something to that extent. The year was 2020. My boss and one of my coworkers just disappeared off the face of the earth. I had been working in my role for about seven years at that point. Uh, I work in marketing. I oversee a production and creative services department. And we had been struggling with brand awareness for a while. And I always thought that the specific angle that I could bring to how we communicated who we are and what we do could be totally game-changing for the company. And it got me really, really, really excited. So my boss leaves and I am immediately playing offense. I was having his counterparts say, at least in the moment, kind words to me that made me feel really good initially. Like, okay, yes, this is my time. Like, this is... This is seven years of hard work paying off. And I was very different than the previous person in the job for a variety of reasons, for my creative perspective, for the values and the culture that I bring to the game, for the way that I carry myself, for how comfortable people are around me. And it's a large marketing department. It's like 400 people. And I, I just, I, it felt so right for so many different reasons. I start to have these conversations with what were his counterparts. I'm sending emails to HR being like, I know the job isn't posted yet, but here are the things that I bring to the table that nobody else is going to be able to bring to the table. This is late January 2020. We all know what happened within the next several weeks. 
as that starts to transpire, I'm doing a lot of the work that my boss had been doing. It was very bizarre at first. You're like sitting there with his admin going through calendars, trying to figure out where was he supposed to be, for what reasons, who do I need to call, literally like acting in the role for just about everything underneath the sun. And certainly I had help from my counterparts. And my counterparts were also very adamant about saying, we think we'd be a great leader in this role. So I felt like I had everybody on my side. Very early on, one of my counterparts changes his mind and says, you know what, I didn't think I wanted to apply for the job, but now I'm going to apply for the job. That changed things a little bit, maybe a lot, I don't know. I was still going to do what exactly what I was going to do to try to get the job. So I'm trying to be really smart from an internal political perspective, but also being polite and straightforward, like it is just my jam to be nice. You could think some of this sounds like cutthroat or that this is like corporate America, Hunger Games type of shit, but it's not. Uh, I don't I don't play that way. I like the mental jujitsu aspect of things. Like I like to, as a poster in my office says, think someone under the table, but I'm not there for being mean and backstabbing and like that kind of stuff. Like it's just, that just does not sound like fun to me. I don't want anything to do with that. So a couple weeks in, counterpart says, I want to throw my hat in the ring as well. I've already started to lay the groundwork. I'm having as many conversations with every single stakeholder there is. I've been very upfront with the president of the company to say, I want this. I am ready for it. I am excited about the interview process. Let's go. I find out, as you normally would in the open conversations, it's somebody who is filling a role like this, that they're going to be looking externally as well. And as the pandemic starts to hit, I think that plays in my favor. Are you really going to go and look externally for a role like this when you have two people that are in the department that have applied for the job that both have, I have seven years experience. My counterpart who also went for the job has probably 15, 20 years of experience in the, in the space as well. There's no way they're going externally here. The stress levels of this in this time period were astronomical. Like I've gone through some pretty stressful times during my career, especially considering I'm like 25 years into it at this point. But this was next level, right? You Nobody had any idea like what the fuck is going on. Like do people come in? Do you start getting people masks? You know, I was going in all the time. I did not work from home a single day through the pandemic. I'm continuing to go to the office. I'm trying to play my previous boss's job role as best I can. I'm trying to navigate the interview process. I'm trying to manage things on the home front with a wife who has two small businesses or three at the time. And obviously things are just collapsing on that front. My daughter's now taking school from home and they're driving me in every morning and picking me up that those afternoons. Our business is hurting a lot because we mostly serve small businesses. We help them with their advertising needs. So it was just like chaos as it was for everybody at the time, but I'm just painting a picture with the specific chaos that was around me for the purpose of the story. I go into the interview process formally. I feel like I've got everything I need to tell the story because I'm a firm believer that it's less about the boxes that you check on your resume. It's your narrative because your narrative inherently has the boxes that you've checked, but it tells a broader story about who you are and why you can help the company or whomever hit 
their business goals, solve their business problems, be a change maker in the space for whatever they're trying to do. And I was bringing in new fresh ideas for how we could remarket ourselves. I was addressing some of the systemic problems that we had from a brand awareness perspective. I was doing so in a way that I felt was truly unique and distinct based off of my creative outlook on our space, but also how I could reimagine, not necessarily like a restructure, but just reimagine how we were best utilizing our resources to do what we needed to do to help the company achieve its goals on an annual basis. I'm building entire new campaigns. I'm getting help. I had so many people. It was remarkable how hard my team was rooting for me. Like, bring a tear to my eye, deep desire and passion to see me get this job for a slew of different reasons, and I will never be able to thank them enough for the support that they gave me. I'll never also be able to thank my wife enough for the support that she gave me going through this time, right? She had her own set of stressors. She had our daughter here taking, doing school every day. She was nothing but encouraging and supportive so that I could do what I needed to do just first and foremost to help where I needed to help. Obviously, somewhat from a selfish perspective to make sure that, you know, my department, my job, just the livelihood of our business stayed afloat and was moving in the right direction. The process for the job and the interview process goes to molasses super quick. It's like it ramps up super quick and then it just starts to get really slow. And had an interview with the president of the company and he, he <laughs> in hindsight, he was pretty straightforward with me like, man, you're not going to get this. And I was like, I don't really hear you right now. I'm getting this job. I'm the man for it. And I'm not, I didn't say that like that. And nor was I presumptuous in a, in a cocky way. It was just like confidence that this makes sense. And I'm going to do the best job for you so much so that I can't fathom you with anybody else in this role. I haven't told my wife, like, I know exactly when I'm going to be given the role. There was going to be a town hall that was not in New York. And there's a private jet that was going to get flown down there. And my name was on the list to be on it. And I'm like, I'm going to find out on that plane ride. I thought it was like the coolest. It sounded right. The time felt right. Like it was going to have all of this role's counterparts on the plane. I'm like, I, I can feel it. I had such good conversations with the people that were the other senior vice presidents at the company. This is literally, my, I put the pressure on myself that this was mine to lose. But I have the first conversation with the president and he's kind of like, dude, you're not going to get this. Also keep in mind that I'm at 45, I'm still mostly the youngest person in most of these rooms. And it's just, it's a, it's a variable. I'll say that. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a very real variable. The president was super cool in that he treated me like I deserved the role based off of what I was doing on a day in and day out basis for him. And I wasn't perfect. I distinctly remember one mistake that I made during that time period that I will always regret. And it was such a simple one too. Like I should have given him a heads up about how he looked in a specific video, like the lighting wasn't right or something for a big communication, but I kind of froze in the moment and, and I didn't, and he didn't like the way that it turned out. And it wasn't a big deal. Like it was very easy to just re-record it, but I just remember being like, I, 
I wavered on having a difficult decision in the moment and I regretted it because then I had to have the difficult decision after the fact when I'm like, if I just, if I would have said what was in my gut, even though I didn't want to interrupt this specific moment and say, Hey, look, I think we should stop. Like this just doesn't look right. I was like, "Mm, let me just let it, let me let it roll maybe it's going to be okay. Maybe I'm just being paranoid in the moment. Maybe like I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Let's, let's assume that I'm wrong, but unfortunately I wasn't wrong. Anyway, having the interview with the president, he basically tells me I'm not going to get the job, but at the same time, he pushes me along into what I believe is kind of the next round in a big company like ours. There are, I had 12 interviews for my current role. So I assumed that there were just going to be an exorbitant amount of interviews for this position, you know, potentially even more because it's the next level up. And there were only f- – of of our company, there were like five people in this – at this role. Of the 100,000 people that make up kind of the larger conglomerate that we are a part of, there's only 50 of these roles, right? So it is – it is <laughs> – these roles, these roles are big and they, they vet the shit out of them. So I sit down with the executive recruiters for that stage of the interview process. I think it goes super well. I remember writing them a thank you note afterwards that I didn't find out didn't make it to them because of COVID and just issues with the mail at the time that ended up getting sent back to me like two months later. And I was like, oh, that's just kind of salt in the wound at this point or like just kind of like a kick in the junk a couple months after the fact. And that's when the interview process kind of stopped. And I thought at that point, like, okay, cool. Still a lock. Doesn't make sense. Like I knew, I knew my internal, uh, I knew my internal counterparts who were also going after the job. I kind of knew who was coming in from the outside. I'm like, boring. This is, this doesn't make sense. I was even going so far as to find, who were some of the president's favorite people outside of the company and how can I, luckily one person I had already befriended and she was so kind to give me some of her time and sit down with me at dinner and talk me through everything that I needed to know about it, you know, what she understood of being inside the president's brain. And by the way, for the record, I have an extraordinary amount of respect for the president. He is just, and it sounds funny when you say that, you think like the president of the United States president of our company um he's just he's a good dude at his core he's super smart he's witty and it's a hard it's a hard like the longer i do this and the further i've gone and the closer i am to the top so to speak the level of difficulty is extraordinary and there are so many things that you question as you go up the ladder. You're like, oh, this just doesn't make sense. And then the closer you kind of get to some of the ultimate decision-making, you're like, oh, this makes perfect sense now. Like that's, that's incredibly complicated. And these are decisions that impact thousands of people. And you need to find ways to have it be something that is simple for all. And it's not that it's perfect, right? And, and you know, we're, there, are imper- there are always imperfections, but the ability to find a specific direction and to be able to pick courses that you know are just not going to be everybody's favorite, but it's in everyone's best interest, that's hard. So I just want to be very upfront, even though this is however many minutes in now, how much respect I have for the president and how much I appreciated how he treated me going through the process 
and I'm not just saying this because <laughs> I'm not just saying this because I'm still at the company. God forbid he ever hears this, but I remember sitting down in his office after I went through what I thought was just another step in the process, and we had this new campaign idea that I thought we needed to act on quickly to help get at some of our brand awareness, especially as things were starting to really start to take hold from a COVID perspective. And he was like, oh, you know, let's let's hold our powder on. He said some sort of phrase about like, you know, let's wait until the decision is made about who's going to get the job. And I remember in the moment thinking, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm really not getting this. At that point, I think it was like maybe late March and things had, f- the wheels had largely fallen off the bus, but it wasn't like really, really bad yet. Or like we still kind of thought that we were going to come back in a couple of weeks. And then once the wheels really fell off the bus, to his credit, he gave me full carte blanche. We pulled together like a brand new campaign to do what, and I would say we were one of the first companies to go out and say, hey, we are here for you. Like those messages that came ubiquitous and somewhat cliche after a while, I would be shocked if you looked in the history books in regards to when we hit air with a message that was, I thought was very appropriate and on tone and specifically there to remind small businesses that we are here to help, right? The whole notion of, especially in chaos, like you don't run to a fire scene and start selling fire suits. You run to a fire scene and you bring water and you bring help. And that's exactly what we were doing as a company. And I think that what we did in that moment, I will forever be proud of that campaign that we put out at that time. And after that, and even after all of the complications that went into dealing with the external communications around that and just how rigid, understandably, we were about everything that was coming out and especially being basically being de facto head of marketing at the time, it was it was unwieldy to try to make sure that all angles were well covered. And again, I certainly had help from my counterparts, but um, I think that even they would say that I... I carried a lot of weight during that time and it was, it was extraordinarily difficult. All of a sudden the interview process just kind of comes to a halt for me. Like weeks slip by and I'm like, when is the last time somebody talked to me about this? And I remember it was right around April 1st. I called my friend who was pretty high up in HR at the time and was like, dude, I'm dying here. Can I get an update or something? I'm losing my mind. And he's like, all right, look, man, this is the scoop. He's going to make an offer this week to this person. And this is this person's background. And I kind of just went numb at that point and was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get this. I've been here seven years. I thought that this was a lock. Like, I'm going to let my family down. I'm going to let my team down. I'm going to let everybody down that was rooting for me. How did I not get this? And... I think I immediately called my wife or I sent her a text because she was going to come pick me up from the office that day as she did. Like I was not on the subway for a while. And so she and my daughter knew when I came downstairs and imagine an empty Times Square because it was almost like a vanilla sky type of scene. And I'm walking over with a tripod in my hand because I was carrying one around with me because when I would go to get lunch and when I was just there in the Times Square by myself, I often wanted to capture how surreal it was. And I opened the trunk as I always did 
and put it in. And as I was opening the trunk, I remember seeing my daughter's face through the back window. And she had this kind of like half smile on her face, like she was nervous to address this with me, right? Kind of that face of like, I want to smile, but I know the other person is feeling a certain way. And so like, I don't want it to be too big of a smile, but, um, and she was definitely impacted by it emotionally. Apparently she said to my wife before I got in the car, when my wife told her, uh, well, maybe it's an April fool's joke and he really did get it. She was eight at the time and or seven and my goodness, was she just sweet. I mean, my wife was too. I mean, I cannot say enough about Kelly and her encouragement and support. Like, definitely would not be sitting here right now if it wasn't for her. <laughs> like, not even not even a little bit close. Um, I know that I'm not going to get the job. I know the person's name. And I remember somewhat being numb the rest of that week and then going into the weekend. That Saturday morning when I finally had, like, a few moments to myself, I remember... Uh, having a moment in my wife's gym basement and feeling pretty shitty and sorry for myself for 10 minutes. And then it was like, all right. And then the next week I immediately started prepping for the new boss to come on, even though it hadn't been formally announced yet and there was no official start date. When I had free time in between meetings, I was starting to build folders that would put the right documents in there so that he could get off the ground the right way. It just felt like the right thing to do. Right, because his success and him being able to hit the ground running and if he gets a good impression from me out of the gate, that's all I can do, right? Like I'm a firm believer that you can only do the best with whatever's in front of you. So he comes on board and thank God he is one of the most emotionally intelligent human beings I've ever come across. Harvard MBA, he's got an incredible background as the CMO of professional sports franchises, as soon as I saw his resume, I'm like, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> He's got 10 years of executive-level experience on me. He's been the CMO for some of the most well-known professional sports franchises in the world. The most well-known sports arena in the world, arguably. Like, the dude's just a friggin' superstar. And then it's pretty easy to tell pretty quickly that he's just, he's just a good person. And uh, that's what the president told me when he called me. And... I remember telling him, like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. And we had a good conversation, and he was really cool about the whole thing, and he was very kind in the moment to say how, not only how much he appreciated what I had done in the short term, but how he appreciated how well I was taking it. While I will always know that I could have and would have done an incredible job in that role, I definitely would not have started making or continued to make TikToks. I'd been making TikToks for maybe, I don't know, a couple of months at that point. I'd made maybe 10 total. There's no way that I'm doing any of that stuff. And I have gotten more notes than I can count than I care to say, and it feels weird to say it out loud, about how many people my content has helped. That even feels just super weird to say out loud because I never expected any of this. I didn't get into it to be some sort of quote unquote influencer. I didn't get into it for any reason other than I just like making stuff and it's become far bigger than I could have ever fathomed. And I believe that I can do more good 
in this space than I probably ever thought I was capable of doing otherwise. And so the doors that that door closing then opened for me are far beyond my wildest dreams in a lot of different ways. I can make the strong argument that that could have been one of the best things to have ever happened to me. I'm proud of the fact that I pivoted very quickly and turned it into how can I help who's coming in next be as successful as possible. And my boss and I have a fantastic relationship and we've done some really, really, really cool things together since he came on board. I've learned a tremendous amount. That's the other huge thing. The amount that I've learned just going through that experience and the amount that I've learned from him because he is so smart and because of his background and because of what he brings to the table and because he thinks very differently than me, but yet we see eye to eye in so many different ways that it makes it enjoyable and fun. And when you're sitting in a meeting and you have to be like kind of firing on all cylinders to be like, to be thoughtful, but quick and strategic and creative, like that is fun. He is a smart dude and that keeps me on my, on my toes and I'm, I'm just super thankful for what he has done. And I've probably aggregated another five to seven years worth of knowledge and experience just from the three years of working with him that I never would have gotten had I got the job. So instead of getting the job, I got a boss that is way smarter than I am that has helped me learn and grow in ways that I could have never fathomed. In some ways too, probably to lick my own wounds, kind of dug into fun, creative stuff on the side that grew to this, that grew to this moment. If you go for a huge job and it's going to happen in your career, you're going to go for jobs you think are a shoe in and you're not going to get them. Nobody gets every single job that they apply for and that's okay, right? Not getting them, you can learn a tremendous amount versus the ones you do get. So especially for those that are early in their career that might be bummed out about not getting the internship, not getting that entry-level job, that's not going to define you. What happens next is what defines you. And there's always going to be a next. When the door opens, the door opens, great, go in, do, do an amazing job. But when the door closes, there's so much that you can learn about yourself and how you can figure out what do you got to do to look around for the next door. And if you can find comfort in that space, and you can start to get comfortable also with the fact that nobody owes any of us anything, you will find greater clarity, more peace of mind. You'll be happier, right? I don't debate like, oh, I got screwed this way or that way. It's just not who I am, luckily. And it's just, a, it's a waste of time. You're going to be okay if you just apply for a big job and you, or any job, small job, and you didn't get it. I don't care if it was at Baskin Robbins scooping ice cream or if it was the CMO of a big company. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And it could actually be something that is wildly to your benefit. So I think that's long-winded enough by nature for this one. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. I think I'll wrap it up here. And I'll just say because my wife thinks it's kind of hilarious and it gets her every time uh, that I love you because I do, because you've given me this opportunity. And especially if you're here listening to this one right now, there's a distinct possibility that you were one of the people that filled out the form that kind of helped tee all this up and helped build some excitement around it, which is friggin' bonkers to me. And um, I can't, I can't thank you enough. We would have never met. We would have never met if I got that job. At least I don't think we would have ever. And, and this is a really special moment. 
And thank you for being with me here right now in my basement as I stare at windshield wiper fluid that's uh, on the other side of the room before I click stop. And hopefully this sounded okay. This is the first time I have ever tried to record a podcast by myself. <laughs> by myself. So I can only imagine how goofy it might have been. All right. I love you. Good night.